Right, I think the sun's brought out a good sunny disposition for everyone this morning. It's good. Um, good morning. My name's Jimmy. I'm the Director of Youth Ministry here at Caroline Springs Anglican. I've been uh, preaching over the last four months, affectionately known as Jimmy Month, which is four times better than Shark Week. Um, you, can, you can spread that round if you want. Um, but yeah, so I'm really excited to be bringing the message today. I think that God's going to really reveal something to us. I think over the last three, four weeks that God's really been speaking to us as a people. Um, so I'm excited to see what the Word has today. Um, so one of the things that we've been doing over the last four weeks is that we've been running live questions and answers throughout the sermon. So if you ever hear something in the sermon, you're like, what is he talking about? Or um, you've got a question or you want to go, go somewhere deeper than maybe what, what I've been talking about, a great way that you can do that is by uh, there'll be, you guys just want to put up the um, first slide. There's actually a phone number that you can send in. If you can see it, you can only just see it on that, that thing, but um, you can send it in to the phone and either I'll address it right here, right now, if it's applicable, or after the sermon, what we do is that we have a time of question and answer where I take the f- top four, top five questions and just go a little bit deeper. Um, it kind of gives us an opportunity to kind of go just a bit more, um, more specific into um, the questions and maybe um, do some more direct application, which I think is helpful. So what are we talking about today? Today, we're going to be talking about money. We're going to be talking about greed, selfishness, gratitude and generosity. And, and the funny thing in church is that as soon as we talk about money, people um, start to turn off. Um, churches have this reputation for taking people's money. They're seen as money wasters, this kind of thing, right? Um, and I've held that view for a long time, right? I, whenever I go to a, a new church and they, they, they want to talk about money, I'm like, all right, this again. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to do that this morning. I personally don't want your money, right? But the thing is, as a preacher in this church and as someone employed by this church, I have a responsibility to preach the full counsel of God. I have a responsibility to talk about money because Jesus talked about money. Solomon talked about money. In fact, Jesus talked about money more than sex, um, more than faith sometimes. So I have a responsibility to talk about it as well. But what I want to do today is not to do the whole big um, offertory thing. I don't want to do that. What I want to talk about today is how do we move from greed to gratitude in a world consumed by money. Okay? So last night I was lying uh, in bed with my wife and I was thinking about this thing, greed, right? And I just, came, I just came out with it. I'm like, is greed bad? Like in church we have this natural assumption that maybe greed is bad because, you know, the Bible says it. Um, I think if, if I said, you know, greed is good, you know, like um, Wolf of Wall Street, you should, you should all have like, what's that? It's R18, you shouldn't watch that. No, right? If I say it came out and said greed is good, you'd be like, what are you talking about? But we have this natural assumption that greed is bad. So is it? I was trying to like theorize. Well, economically, greed makes sense. It motivates us to work harder. It motivates us to provide for our families, right? Is greed bad? Um, and I think in a lot of the ways, we can kind of justify it. But at the end of the day, Greed, when it really comes down to it, 
is taking more than we need. That's, that's what greed is. Taking more than we need, and when we take more than we need, someone else who needs goes without. We take things that other people need. So, for instance, in Australia, um, I think something like 30% of the wealth in Australia is held by 1% of the people. Okay? They take more than they need, and then we've got some people around us who are struggling for food, struggling to provide rent. So, is greed bad? I think economically, no. But morally, ethically, I think greed is a silent killer. We don't talk about it in church very often. We don't talk about it with our friends. It's a taboo topic. But greed, when it comes down to it, is a killer. And it's coming to get you. So what Solomon's going to do today is going to help us identify greed. He just talks through some things that he sees. He, he's, he's back to his grumpy old man phase today. Last week he kind of let us off. He gave us some really sound advice about how to find God in the spiritual desert, but now he's back to being grumpy. Um, so he's going to help us identify greed. Identify where we're selfish, where we take more than we need. Okay. But before we get into that, before we get into that, I want to ask everyone a question. Okay? Do you consider yourself rich? And if not, how much more money would you need to be rich, to be satisfied, to have enough? Right? Now, what, what I want you to do, we've been doing this over the last four weeks, I want you to grab the person next to you, and first things first, grab them and look them straight in the eyes and say, you are beautiful and I love you very much. Right? You need to do that. The only disappointing thing is no one's grabbed me and said that. I'll let you off on that, right? So first things first, say that, but then ask them, are we rich? How much more would be enough? So we've got, we've got this slide up. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. But not to push back against that, but I think like what we see in the rich, I think I see that in myself. Like I'm, I'm mentally insane. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I think that we see the rich take all this money, but if given the opportunity, I'd probably do the same. Chris, Chris and I had this conversation, right? And he said, well, when he, when he first started working, Chris works at Westpac at a bank, right? Um, and he just said, when, when I first started, I, I was earning $600, $600 a week, right? And I just thought that if I could earn $1,000, I'd be fine. And now that I'm there, I think, well, maybe I'll, I'll just buy a house, right? And it just keeps moving downstream. And... And I, I, I was having this conversation with him, and I thought, well, am I rich? Well, it depends against who I, I, I judge myself, like Joe said. So the, the mere fact that I own an iPhone and a laptop means that I'm probably richer than 95% of the world, right? But at the same time, I've convinced myself that I'm not rich so that I don't have to do things. I don't have to give to that, that cause because I don't have any money. I don't have to give to that person. I don't have any money. And it wasn't... I, I, I never considered myself a greedy person until I was actually researching this talk. 
um, when I realized that I hadn't bought my friend's birthday presents in about a year and a half. And I justified it on the mere fact that, well, I don't have any money. I, don't, I, I, can't, I can't spare $25. I just don't have that. Um, I have, I have, you can always spare $25. Greed had got me. It had somehow got to my heart. And even on the outside, when I could convince myself that I was poor and that I couldn't give away money, I have more than enough. I have more than enough. So let's get into what Solomon's going to talk about today. What he's going to identify. He's going to help us identify some greed that you might see. And I think what he says is really, really on the point. So I'm going to read. This comes from Ecclesiastes 5 verse 8. So if you don't have a Bible, you can find one at the end of your rows. If you don't have it, take it home. That's yours. It's our gift to you. We want you to have a Bible. If you have one already, um, take another one. Give it to your best mate. Um, right? we, want, we want people reading the Word of God. So this is Ecclesiastes 5 verse 8. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness... Do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. So what, what Solomon's saying first up, moral blindness. So, um, so I, I don't know your name, mate. George. I, I have met you before, George. I'm a terrible person. What George was saying, right, that some of... Some of the rich, like the moral blindness that we see in, in those who, ha- who have some money, right? What he's saying is, it shows that they've got greed. And that shows up in um, a number of different ways. I was reading a psychological study um, earlier this week. The more expensive your car is, the more likely you are to rent a red light. The more you have in your bank account, the more likely you are to steal a lollipop from a child. They've done tests on this. I don't know how they tested it. Um, the more you have, or the, the, the more that you think you need, the more greed that you have, the more likely you are to justify doing away with morals, justify behaving ethically. So it's not necessarily that the rich have more money than sense or the greedy have more money than sense. It's that they have more money than morals. So if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're having to justify or explain away something that you've done in the pursuit of money, what Solomon's saying is, watch out. That's greed. You're moving away from morality and from good behavior for the pursuit of money. And he's saying, watch out. Second thing, and I think this is, this is probably more specific to our congregation and our community. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. So first thing, Solomon says, moral blindness. The second thing is an inability to be satisfied by money. 
like Chris was saying, if I just had more, then I would be satisfied. If I just had a house, then I would be satisfied. If I just had that new 2014 Holden Commodore, right, then I would be satisfied. If I just get that boat, then I'll be satisfied. If I just get this thing, then I'll be satisfied. And when we get those things, we find out we're not satisfied. We find out they're not actually as good as we made them out to be. And Solomon's saying, yeah, it's because you're greedy. Because, quoting from the greatest movie of all time, Cool Runnings, if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. That's what he's saying. Greed, it doesn't necessarily come down to what you have. We can't look at the richest person and just assume that they're greedy because greed is actually an attitude that says, I don't have enough. And that can come about whether you've got $5 or $500 million. It's, it's an attitude of saying, I don't have enough. And because I don't have enough, I look for things to satisfy. And when they don't satisfy, I look for something else. And Solomon's saying the inability to be satisfied is a signpost that greed exists in the heart. Right? If you can't be satisfied, if you keep looking for different things to satisfy you, someone's saying, do a heart check. Check what's going on here. Because he's saying you might have greed. John D. Rockefeller, one of the the richest men who ever lived, probably the richest man who ever lived, he said this, someone asked him, how much money would be enough? And his answer, just a little bit more. The richest man who ever lived, just a little bit more. Greed. An inability to be satisfied with what you have right now. So second, sweet is the sleep of a labourer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Worry. Moral blindness, it's coming. Inability to be satisfied, it's there. Do you worry about your bank account? What's the first emotion that you feel when you talk about your money or you talk about your debt or you talk about what you owe or you talk about when are you going to get paid next? What's the first emotion that you feel? Because if it's worry, you might have a greed issue. Like, like seriously, worry, is, is, it's just going to eat you out. Because worry, worry is just, uh, it's just further down the line from an inability to be satisfied. It's just further down the line. It's saying, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I need more. The bank account that I see, I need more. It's not enough money. I'm not chipping away enough at my debt. My house isn't enough. All these things aren't enough. And so we worry about them. We worry so much. Like I think, what, what is it? 60% of marriages or divorces, sorry, 60% of divorces list money as a major reason why they split apart. They list fights, arguments. That's brutal. If you're lying at night, uh, lying awake at night, worrying about everything, you might have some greed. 
and, and we, we can justify it. With all these things, we can justify it, right? Well, you know, I need to put food on the table for my family and I need to pay the rent, so I'm not going to worry about it. But what can you actually do? Right? I can't, I can't really, when it comes down to it, make the money in my account grow all that much quicker. I can work harder, but I work pretty hard. Right? Um, I work for a church. There'll always be a cap on how much I can earn. I'm not going to earn $500,000 in a year. Right? And if I do, then um, I've got bigger issues. Right? Worry. So are you worrying about money? Because what, what it's saying is, because we justify it because we don't have enough. Right? When we have small amounts of money in our bank account, when we have small amounts um, when we don't have enough. Right? But what he's saying is, the only people who worry more about money than the poor are the rich. Right? The poor worry about money. The rich worry about money. Everyone's worrying about money. It's showing them that it's greed. It's not going to go away if you get more. It just shows you that you're greedy. It shows you that you're not satisfied with how much you have right now. And the fourth one, hoarding. There is a grievous evil that I've seen under the sun. This is verse 13. Riches were kept by the owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. He is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again. Naked as he came, and shall take nothing in his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger. About six weeks ago, um, Jono talked about Michael Jordan, greatest basketballer who ever lived. His handlers call him Yahweh, right? That's legit. They call him Yahweh, the one true God. Michael Jordan has already been forgotten. If you go to a kindergarten school right now, and ask them who Michael Jordan is, they have no idea. The greatest player before him, Wilt Chamberlain. Does anybody know who Wilt Chamberlain is? Yeah, I see, I see your hand, Dev. You know who he is. That's a bit different, though. You love basketball, right? Daryl Baldock, Brownlow winner. Anyone know who he is? These sports people. Look at... Keep, keep raising their hands. You're 60 years away from being forgotten. And what Solomon is saying today is that you're 60 years away from losing everything you have. You can't take anything with you. Your house, not going with you. Your money, not going with you. These nice jeans that you've got, not going with you. New haircut, not going with you. Right? 60 years away from losing everything. 60 years away from losing everything. And, and I've probably got a first-hand account of hoarding more than anyone else I know. Because my grandpa, my grandpa, so have you, have, you, have you watched any of those hoarding shows? Yeah? My grandpa is worse than all of them. Like, legit. So, he, so they, they own like 50 square blocks, right? He owns 120 acres in Meribara. 
Okay? So what happened was that, well, he had a house there, and then the house fell down. So instead of getting it fixed, he bought a caravan. And so what he did was just buy all this rubbish, and so he filled the caravan. So now he has eight caravans, and seven and a half of them are filled with rubbish. Okay? He has a crane, like one that you work on buildings, right? Why do you need a crane? He has six and a half cars, because his policy is that when your car breaks down, that's time to buy a new one. He has 18 bottles of talcum powder because it was going cheap at St. Vinny's. Hoarding. My dad always jokes that if the fire ever comes from Maribara, it will do about $60,000 worth of improvements to the farm. Right? My grandpa is 88, 89. And at best, he's 10 years away from losing everything he owns. Death is the unescapable, inescapable truth of all of our lives. Even our youth, Dev, 17, Charlotte, 17. At, at best, you live 90 years. You've got 70 more years, Charlotte. That's a pretty somber message, right? But at best, you're 70 years away from losing everything you have. So why, the, why do we hoard? And I think this is the one that gets me most, um, partly because I think my, my grandpa's a hoarder and I'm a hoarder, so I hoard things as well. I think that's something I've got to watch out on, right? But I hoard money. So I build up things in our bank account, me and Sarah's bank account. Um, and even though we've got large amounts there, well, not large, but adequate, satisfactory, enough, I can't give to charities because I don't have enough. I need to keep saving. I can't give and buy my friend's birthday presents because I don't have enough. I need to keep saving. So I hoard all this money for absolutely no purpose, for absolutely no reason. And what Solomon's saying is, Jimmy, you're 24, 60 years. It's gone. Maybe it'll go to your kids. Maybe not. And I think for some of us, this message is probably challenging. Because we live in a society which is pretty self-orientated. We're capitalists, right? Greed is good. Keep moving forward, keep earning, keep saving, keep buying things, keep buying houses, keep buying boats, keep... Actually, I don't know anyone who owns a boat, but whatever. Like, keep owning cars, right? And someone's saying it's useless, it's meaningless, it's vanity, it's a chasing after the wind. Because in 60 years, you're going to lose it all. Every last bit. Every last bit. So what do we do? Is there something more than greed? Or should we just keep doing whatever we want, just keep trundling along, keep making more money, keep hoarding, keep worrying about our money, keep being unsatisfied? Is that, is that what we've got left? Thank God Solomon says no. Solomon is going to give us some advice. He's helped us identify where our blind spots are, where our greed is, where our selfishness is. And he's going to give us some advice for how to move from greed 
from selfishness to gratitude and generosity in a world consumed with money. How to move from greed to gratitude. And what he's saying here, what he's saying first and foremost, is that greed is an attitude far before it becomes an action. So we look at the rich, and the reason why we label the rich greedy is because we can see their actions, and we don't necessarily see it in our own lives. Like Suzanne can't come to me and say, Jimmy, why didn't you buy me a birthday present? Like, that's just never going to happen. I'm never going to get called out on that. Like, ever. But I've still got greed issues because it's an attitude before it becomes an action. If you worry about money, the worry might increase if you have $75,000 in your saving account as opposed to $7.50. But it's an attitude before an action, so the worry is still going to be there. If If you're unable to be satisfied by like a $3 game that you bought from Coles. I like, I like small games from Coles, right? If you're unable to be satisfied that, it's just going to get worse if you have more money because it's an attitude, not an action. Way before it's an action, sorry. It's attitude. It's what's going on here. It's what we think and what we feel far more than what we do. So how do we change an attitude? Is it worth changing an attitude? I think so. I think that greed, not being satisfied by what we have, kind of just takes from other people. Um, like we were saying before, like George was talking about, like 30% of wealth in Australia is controlled by 1%, right? We've still got a poverty issue in Australia. Greed is clearly impacting that. So how do we move from greed to gratitude? especially if we see that greed is an attitude. That rhymed. I'm going to be a rapper. Verse 18. Solomon gives us some light at the end of the tunnel. Here's what he says. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. So how do we change our attitude about greed? Well, first thing first, Solomon says, you've got to see who gave everything to you. You've got to see who first gave you work, and secondly, you've got to see who first gave you wealth. I think a lot of the time that I'm greedy is because I think I deserve the right to spend my money. You know, I worked hard. I worked three and a half days at the church. You know, I prepared the sermon. I gave the talk. I talked to the kids. Like, I hang out. I played basketball, right? I had the coffees. I should, I should be able to enjoy all these things, right? Because that was all me, all on me. No one else had anything to do with it. But then I come to the fact that really I live about 100, no, 60 kilometres from where I grew up in an area of the town where I don't know any family or friends because God called me out here. And I have to say, well, actually, God provided the work for me. God called me out here. It wasn't me who gave me the work. God gave me the work. God's in control of, of everything, including our work. So we've got to say... Well, God gives us our work. 
So how can I be greedy? Or how can I be selfish and say, you know, I gave a pretty good sermon, so I should be able to buy an Xbox One? When really I've got to say, God gave everything to me. And that just kills our greed. Like, the one thing I don't want you to walk away from this is saying that money is bad, money is evil. We should, we should give, just throw away our money, right? Because I don't think that's what I'm saying. Money is an absolutely neutral tool. Absolutely neutral. It's just a tool. Like, when it comes down to it, how you use your money changes whether you've got greed or gratitude. But it's just a tool. Money by itself is not bad. In fact, God, like, it clearly says here that God gives us wealth. For some, God gives wealth, and some, he doesn't, right? Some of us, um, he's given less, and some of us, he's given more. Why? I don't know. I'd love it if God gave me a Ferrari and $700,000 in the bank. But he hasn't. He's given me a banged-up Holden Commodore and not $750,000 in the bank account. It says, God has given, it's in verse 19, God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toll. This is the gift of God. What Solomon is saying, God has given you work and God has given you wealth. Everything in your life has been given by God for a reason and for a purpose. There is a reason that some of us have more money than others. There's, there's a Lecrae song. You know, you know I like rap music. I rapped for you four weeks ago, and that was um, pretty unfortunate for everybody. Right? Uh, trying to remember the line. It says in, in the song, don't waste your time. Don't waste your life, sorry. It says your money, your singleness, your talent, your time, they've been given to you to show the, the world that Christ is divine. Everything we have, our work, our wealth, our possessions, our relationships, everything has been given to us to show the world that Jesus is divine, that Jesus is king. So when we look at our bank accounts, the question shouldn't be, well, how can I keep more of this? How can I have more of this? How can I keep working and hustling and making my way up the chain? The question is, how can God be using this? Right? Because Solomon, Solomon's just, just kind of accepted it. He said, well, some will, God will give some work and some wealth and all that kind of thing. And the, the benefits of it is that he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy, right? He kind of says, just, just, just recognize that God's given you all that stuff. But Solomon lived on one side of the cross. The best that Solomon could hope for was to forget everything, to forget his life, just to, to do what he could. But Jesus Christ actually calls us to so much more than that. Solomon laid the groundwork. He said that God gives us work and God gives us wealth. And what does Jesus call us to? just want to read out from Ephesians. This is Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that none may boast. This is the important bit. Verse 10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What it's saying is that everything has been given to you. And if you're a Christian, if you believe in Jesus, God has prepared good works for you. So what are you doing with them? Do you wake up in the morning and go, well, who am I going to bless today? Who am I going to um, sacrifice for today? Who am I going to honour more than myself today? Who am I going to give my money to today? What works has God laid out before me? I was reading a book called Radical by David Platt earlier this week. And what he said, what he said is this, that so many times when it comes to generosity and gratitude, the question that we ask is, how much can I spare? Once I've paid my rent, once I've paid um, for seven ice creams or whatever, for, for all my you know, Cokes, right? What can I spare to charity? What can I spare to the church? What can I spare to those who are less fortunate than me? What can I spare to my mates who might be struggling to do rent? And we go, what can I spare? But the question that every Christian should be asking of themselves is what does it take? It's not what can I spare, but what will it take? Rather than looking at the measly 5% left over after we've bought all the things that we need, like the Xbox One and like all that stuff, right? We need to look at the whole of everything that we have and say, what will it take? What will it take to be generous today? Maybe it'll take $5 to buy someone a coffee. Maybe it'll take 1000 to pay for someone's rent. I heard of one growth group once who just paid for a guy's rent for a month. Like that's, that, that, that would never happen. But that's what it takes. So I want you to find the person who you told was beautiful before. Right? You can tell them they're beautiful again. We need to hear it again, right? And ask them, ask them this question. What would it take to transform our communities through generosity? Think of your friends. Think of your family. Think of people that you know. What would it actually take to transform them lives? Go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for everyone who couldn't hear, Dave was saying, you know, generosity comes down to more than just money. It comes down to time. Um, even like the words that we say to people, we can be generous um, like, and loving. Um, the, the only reason I think that Solomon talks about money and Jesus talks about money is that money is often the last thing that we're gracious with or generous with. So I'm very generous with my time, but I don't give much money. Um, at least that's what I think Solomon is saying today. So as we leave today, as we finish the sermon, I want you to leave the church today and, and, and think about, well, how am I actually going to bless someone? Like waking up every single morning and asking the question, what will it take for my community to be transformed? What will it take for my mate to know that he's loved? What will it take... for me to do that work that God's put in. Not asking the question, how much can I spare? Do I have a fiver? Do I have 20 bucks that I can give to that person? But asking the question, how much will it take? Because I think that's much more what God's calling us to.
there's a good work for every Christian. Like God has put works for us to do. So ask yourself the question, how, how am I going to be doing that today? What good works has God put in my path to do today? Because we can, be, we can like see them and just do nothing about it. So what will it take? I'm going to invite the band up and we're going to sing some worship to God. But don't leave today without asking yourself the question, what will it take?